We're gonna make a podcast about Death Note and I'll get my friends to watch it on TV. I already showed them a couple shows so they have trusted me. Maybe, kinda. Good morning, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are. And welcome back to season four of Sudden But Inevitable, the single season television show rewatch podcast. Starring me, your host, Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Jesse. And of course, with me, as always, is my longtime friend and co-host, Josh. Welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, Josh. How are you doing this week? Um, It's been great, man. It, uh, I'm excited for it to be Friday. I have like a good few days off before I start my new job. Well, congratulations. Um, so, thank you. Yes, yes. Um, There's some sweet quest me things that were posted today and maybe maybe being shown a little later but yeah it's been a good week all in all how are you how was your week jesse i don't i don't feel like we ask you enough how your week has been oh uh well my week is always amazing as you know it's it's usually about uh 40 hours too long but other than that it's okay (laughs) Um, I generally make it to the end of the week, and that makes me feel mighty. I uh, just want to say hello to my journal in the chat. Here to listen, busy working a fireworks stand. Josh has the best job. That is very cool. I think if there is, to that point, something that you are doing on Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and you need somebody to keep you company, go to youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast, and we can do that for you. Now, of course, it's not just going to be me and Josh. It's also going to be the third person that we bring with us on our little quest here, I guess. Uh, Let's use that parlance just to continue the tease from earlier. And that person, of course, is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How's your Friday? Oh, it is a good Friday. It's been a long week. I don't know. I usually don't mention anything about it, but I've been watching the Colorado Avalanche during the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's been a lot of fun this week. What a shellacking. (laughs) So uh, it's been a good week. It's been a lot of fun. I'm not, I don't usually get into sports, but when my local team gets into the playoffs, all of a sudden, you know, I start to enjoy it. Yeah. How about that local sports team? Yeah. I have been trolling like the ESPNs for the last few months about the Avalanche because they are seriously like it's one of the best teams that the NHL has seen in years. And it's it's going to be a really fun playoff run. All right. I'm going to take you guys word for that. okay? and uh, we're going to move past this because the people don't come here for hockey. I love you both, and I think you both know that, but that's not what people are here for. The people, of course, brought it up. Brought it up. It's okay. Somebody had to do it. Couple of Colorado boys. It's bound to happen. So, (laughs) what we are here to do, of course, is to talk about the anime series, the single season anime series, Death Note, which, of course, we are watching because Josh and Ricky are anime resistant. They have seen anime, and they both enjoyed Cowboy Bebop, but this is their second intensive anime course. It's not a crash course, but it is an extended uh, uh, honors course, shall we say, because this takes some paying attention. Cowboy Bebop is like, if you put this in front of somebody and they don't like it, stop being friends with that person. Death Note is like, I could see where you might not consider this your cup of tea, but... I may still ask you to sit down and drink the entire pot with me while I tell you how much I love tea, if that's okay. Uh, Gotta say hello and good morning to our friend Callie D in the chat. Reminder, no relation to Ricky. She's on the other side of the world and her last name just happens to start with the same letter. This week, 
We are talking about Death Note episodes 7 and 8, which, if I'm not mistaken, are called Overcast and Glare. So, Overcast, episode 7, is the immediate continuation of last week's episode 6, of course, in which Light has finally tracked down Naomi, which is Ray Pember's former fiance. Ray Pember has now been killed, and he is trying to convince her to give up her name, and she gave him a fake name at the end of the last episode. This picks up right where that episode left off, and Light decides, okay, I've got her name, I'm going to put it in the Death Note, and... I think for the first time, maybe, we get a moment of possibly true panic from Light because his second hand ticks past where it's supposed to and she just keeps on walking. And this is big deal. I will ask you first, Josh, what did you think about this? Was this, I assume you were like, at this point, you are ready for each episode to start exactly where the prior episode left off. And I have to ask, how did you think this was going to go down? Because at the end of the last episode, we knew that the name was fake, but we didn't know how Light would resolve the situation. Did you have a prediction or were you just like, I have no idea? I didn't. I I kind of like knowing that it's that they're, the episodes are all starting directly after the previous episodes. I kind of figured that was going to happen going in, but I really had no idea how problems were going to be solved. I guess um, it was, yeah, I, I watched the episode three times, <laughs> all both episodes three times. And like, it's still, I, I don't know, man. It's really hard to tell at the very beginning. You're like, wow, where is this actually going to go? Because he's kind of caught in a corner at this point. And uh, the, the devil man is just laughing at him the whole time. Like just making him feel like a dick. We we had a bit of a lack of Ryuk last week, and I feel like this week definitely makes up for that. Yeah, a ton of it. Um, Ricky, give me your initial thoughts on this episode. What was your like first big takeaway from episode seven? You were like, okay, this is the first thing I want to talk about. This is my biggest point. Uh, if you have something along those lines, yeah. my friend. Well, uh, just this intro where we know that Kira has the wrong name for Naomi. And not only that, but Ryuk is like laughing over his shoulder as he's writing all the information down. So I fully expected Naomi to survive this episode and really survive multiple episodes. Uh, She's this very good, very dynamic character that seems like she's going to be going through this for the long haul. And she's done one episode later. I did not expect that. I can't tell you what I did expect, but that was not on the plate. I would agree with you, Ricky, like wholeheartedly. Because I I've, I've, I felt like she was going to be a, a way bigger character in the long run. Like she would be around for a few episodes. And it was just like, nope, one and done. Later. It's a very cogent point because she definitely has fair and healthy skepticism in her voice when Light's like, oh, actually, I'm an investigator and I'm working on this team, right? And she's like, okay, really? Because you're in high school. And really? Like, come on. And we'll get to it, of course, but there is, I think, a plausible thing that makes her trust Light in this episode, and she says it to his face. But I did write down before we got to that thing, oh no, she's going to pull a Ray Pember here. (laughs) Uh, Like, (laughs) the minute she goes, she says something to him like, uh, oh, Kira will definitely be caught, don't you think? And then he spends like 
48 seconds contemplating and thinking and going, why isn't she dead yet? What's going on? Something is up. I don't know. What should I say? Oh, I should probably react to that. Like, right. Now, I understand that sometimes, you know, time isn't exact as, you know, on TV. But this show is pretty, like, close to, I feel like it's somewhat close to real time. Like, if he says 30 seconds, that's not that long to make us wait for a conversation, right? So it's, like, it's it's pretty close. But I just, that was a moment where I was, like, okay, shouldn't she be, like, hey, you're not answering me. I think I'm just going to run away from you now or attack you. But again, I don't know, because she knows better than Ray. She knows that he doesn't have her name. So, like, why did she not try something else? It felt like she was both, like, this very intelligent, complicated detective character, but she also just had these weird flaws where she just kind of let Kira penetrate her armor and kill her off like she she was set to defend against him and then she just dropped all her defenses well i think at the same time she was used as a as a huge plot device for l because once he starts looking into her like once she finds out that she died he's like wait a minute that doesn't make any sense so it's it's putting l on a new path as well so i mean in the grand scheme of things, I think she's going to be a lot more important to, to like L finding light. But for this episode, like these two episodes, it's like, yeah, she just kind of disappeared. It doesn't really matter at this point. You know, she was just there and gone. Well, just quickly to go back to something that Ricky said, the, the strange weaknesses that um, Naomi has, I think are referred to as emotions. (laughs) And, uh, <laughs> so she had like this emotional attachment to this man who died, right? That she was planning a life with. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that might be part of it. And then the other emotion is anger, right? She has this like righteous, very justifiable anger mm-hmm. for the Kira character that she, you know, doesn't know is standing right there. And those two things, I I believe classically, right? Those are the two emotions that you would use to cloud one's judgment, anger and love. So I feel like those two things combined with, and I guess we should just go ahead and mention it, the fact that she, there is something about light that reminds her of L, And she says as much to him. And she goes, okay, I'm in a world of, like, who do I trust? Double crosses, weird, potentially supernatural stuff. I have no idea what's going on. I have no allies. Like, maybe if I could just reach out and, you know, find something. And he goes, oh, here's this person that you used to know. And she goes, oh, you sort of remind me of that person, too. Like, so there's a couple layers of familiarity there. And I feel like that's eventually what gets there. Uh, let's highlight this comment in the chat from our friend Kelly. I really liked Naomi, but to be fair, the series would already be over if she hadn't died, and I felt it did make sense that she trusted Light when she did. I agree. I I think there are a couple of... I'll take that back. I think there are several instances in this show where we'll have to go, so this happened because if it didn't, the show would be over, right? Like, yeah. um, that's why Light was able to kill Ray Pember without Ray finding out his name before. It's he always died. at the nick Ray, of time, because otherwise, too. Like, like right. this time he convinced her to give him her ID 
right as the investigator was walking by with his umbrella down, by the way, so he couldn't see <sighs> anything. Yes. And he, right as she hands her Japanese driver's license to light, we get snowflakes mm-hmm. start falling. And as we believe have said in at least one other season of Sudden But Inevitable, in Japan, the cultural significance of the color white is death, right? We use black here to signify mourning. They use white to signify mourning. So here you have death falling from the sky all around her. And by covering his face, Aizawa is protected from death. He is shielded from her death. Like, light doesn't notice him really even. It's, there are so many layers in this one scene, and they show it with some slow motion, right? Like, she hands him the card, he reaches for it, Aizawa walks past, he opens the umbrella. It almost felt like a John Woo uh, moment, <laughs> like with the, the doves or something, sure. right? But, like, it's slightly more serious than that. And I, I just, I really like this moment, and it is kind of peak light manipulation because like you guys both said she comes into this super defensive she's very skeptical and by the end of it she's like okay look i will just give you my name and we'll go from there and i mean how how what percentage of this audio track would you say is ryuk laughing like 30 (laughs) percent i mean yeah 25 30 percent for sure there was a lot of laughing now of course Concurrently, meanwhile, back at headquarters, we have the headquarters stuff going on. Um, Josh, I'm going to ask you, what was your favorite part of the headquarters scene in episode I just, seven? When I they're... love L. I think L is just so much fun. The way that he sits in his chair, the way that he eats his pistachio ice cream while they're, you know, I know that's in the next episode, but like the. Have you guys had that? Yes. Yeah. Just sorry to interrupt, but have you? Okay. Is it any it's good? It's amazing. It's it's really fine. It's very good. Mm. <laughs> uh, live chat. If you have had pistachio ice cream, please sound off. I need to know if it is any good. Uh, sorry, Josh. Continue. Oh no! It's just you know the them them figuring things out. It's like they're they're working as a a really fun quirky team, you know. And and this guy with the the bags under his eyes is a really eccentric but also calm and brilliant leader and he's really showing that in these scenes um i I don't know i i really like all of those things all all of all of those different scenes with them meeting and stuff and then especially in the in the next episode in episode eight it was it was a lot of fun yeah i really like that matsuda is still just like a child with a badge he's like yeah. What does he get to have yeah. a cell phone? Like, we don't have cell phones. But it, I, but it is, there are also fair points that he is bringing up, right? Like, there's, <laughs> uh, we have one no for pistachio ice cream in the chat, gentlemen. <laughs> um, there are fair points that he's bringing up where he's like, I thought this was a trust thing and like, what's going on? Uh, but I, I really like that we get, you know, we do eventually get L going, oh, I set up all kinds of traps. Don't even worry about it. Callie D says, it's ice cream that tastes like pistachio. I feel like there is only so much good that can come of that. But no, I haven't tried it. Oh, well, I don't, I just, yeah. I, you guys, I might do it, but I don't think I can pay for my own pistachio ice cream. If that Does that make sense? What, do the first Which, time that you tried it, Ricky D, did you, somebody else pay for it? I cannot confirm that. I don't know. 
<laughs> what you got to do is just go to like American ice cream retailer and just ask them for a sample and just sample it mm. so you can get a little taste of it, you know? And that's the best like way to do it. I like pistachios. I love okay. pistachios. I, I don't like pistachios. I think the best cream. way to get Jesse to eat pistachio ice cream is to give some pistachio ice cream to his wife and then Jesse will try it. That's probably true. If she likes it, then I will be told about it and probably ask to try it. I think that makes good sense. <laughs> I don't know if she has had it before, though. Um, okay, so to the point of all the laughing from Ryuk, um, I'll start with Ricky. Ricky, do you think he's doing this on purpose to be like, hey, indicating a thing here? Well, Are you not picking up the hint? Or is he actually just think that it is funny? Uh, I actually wrote that down because... Kira got information out of the sorry Ryuk's body language and his laughing. Uh, he actually he examined when Ryuk was laughing. He examined, you know, he was going over all this in his head, and he was able to figure out that Naomi was giving a false name through his interpretation of Ryuk's actions. So if he Ryuk is supposed to be an independent agent and he's just there to reap and enjoy chaos, I feel like that's a little bit bordering on choosing a side rather than just being this independent agent who isn't trying to help anybody. Gotcha. What if he is just there for pure entertainment? Do you think he would operate the same way, but maybe still tell like, Hey, I'm not on your side. Probably to me. It's like, because he, at this point, right. He knows that light is the top drag student in the country. So it's like, he would at least start, I would think, altering his behavior if he didn't want Light to know some of the stuff about him. But I I never picked up until this viewing that that could kind of go either way. Like, I was, I always thought it was just like, oh, wow, that's why Light picked up on it because he does it so many times. But uh, what do you think, Josh? Is the laughing meant to get Light to pay attention or is does Ryuk actually just think I, this is I funny? think he just loves chaos. I think he's just there to have a good time and watch these humans like destroy each other. I mean, he's said it multiple times. Oh, this is going to be interesting. You know, oh, you humans are so fun. Like I I, I think it's I think it's mainly him having fun, but maybe 10% of him trying to get lights attention, you know? Like I'm having a really good time here, but like you should probably pay attention to this. Maybe. I don't really care. <laughs> like, I'm neutral, but I do really enjoy yeah. this. So uh, our friend Angelus in the chat says, is Ryuk considered a god of death or more of an extension of the death note? It is the former of the two. Uh, he has two separate death notes. One of them he uses on his own to extend his own life, and the second one we have yet to learn the origins of. But there is a story behind that, and we will get there. Thank you, Angelus, for helping us with the Well, doesn't he say, I think, at the beginning that he's a god of death? Like one of the episodes in the beginning, he's like, "I am a god of death that holds a death note." And a couple times, yeah. Um, he 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 sets it up, but he's not the solidly. only one. I mean, there's a there's ton enough of gods of death, right? And there's enough in it. Yeah, there's enough doubt casting in it to be like, okay, but what's the actual deal? But we at this point, I believe the best way to watch this is to take Ryuk at his word. And to you know, that's kind of where we're coming from with the laughter too. Like he must just actually think this is hilarious, right. I think. <laughs> um so I I know that I have been talking for what is it, twenty two <laughs> minutes straight. Josh, 
tell me about episode seven. What is the first thing that you want to that you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? So it's far? not my favorite. That's <laughs> it's just kind of a. I feel like actually both of these both of these episodes were more just like laying the groundwork for what's to come. It was a, another couple episodes of like we're just laying more more of the pieces so when things actually pop off things are really gonna pop off well he had a direct confrontation with naomi right in this episode i mean she didn't really know that right and time, it was the closest he he's gotten to being caught i would think um because she obviously had a really good idea of of how her fiance died and if they would have looked any further mm-hmm. into that then you know they would have realized what's going on um, but it's again, it's laying that like groundwork of he's brilliant, and it's gonna take a lot more to get rid of him than just knowing one little piece of information. And I think you get you get a lot more of that in the next episode with them going through footage and and things of that nature. Um, but but this episode in particular, I I don't really like have a lot to say about it. It's there's two two main storylines like two main plots that really just go straight forward and there's not much else going on there it just really explains things away visually this episode is very slow like the changes between shots are slow the sh- the shots themselves drag on for a long time like there is a lot of mm-hmm. waiting in this episode and if you're not watching it in the right headspace it changes it from being tension to being like I'm kind of getting really tired. Like the first time I tried to watch it, I think it was like 1130 at night. And I was like, oh, I probably should have saved this episode for tomorrow. So I, I woke up and watched it the next day. Um, but I can I can totally see where you're coming from with that. I I still like it a lot because as the... We're, it's not that we're necessarily rooting for light anymore, but we're like, I want to see him get in and out of jams that are super complicated. So you, you're kind of... you're get sort of huffy when she's like actually no i'm gonna go by myself you're like that's the right thing to do but well wow. i think it's <laughs> and it, or at least it's I was more solidifying light being the villain too like this is an episode that really puts him in that villain yeah. light because at this point i l is my absolute favorite character right now just just his whole the way that how ex- how eccentric he is, how funny he is, the way he holds a freaking phone is ridiculous. But he's also brilliant. He's just as brilliant as Light is. But Light is using his his genius to really be a villain, and especially in this episode, he's like, "I got to kill this woman who's completely innocent, who has, you know, just an idea of who I am, just so I can save my ass." And that's fine. In in the Death Note, can you? Good sense. I guess you have to kill but, people in the Death Note, huh? You can't just be like, go sail at sea for the rest of your life. <laughs> you could take a ten year boat well, trip. Tell him to take a ten year boat a, trip and then jump off the edge. Okay, that's the that's the question, right? Because you have, I think you only have a certain amount of time to write in the details. But couldn't the details be something like, like expanded? Go go on a on a ten year boat trip that you enjoy a lot, and then jump off the edge into a group of sharks or some bullshit. Right. <laughs> or build a, a a wall around yourself until you are stuck in a box or something. Like, you could get crazy with it, I would think. I mean, we've seen him do some crazy stuff with it. 
yeah. uh, you know, and it's, I feel like if they did it now, there would be kids sitting around in a group like, oh, what's the weirdest thing we could do to somebody? And then they would do it, right? But <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, Callie D says, L is the best, but Ryuk has it right. Watching L, sorry, watching light cause havoc is fun. And yes, we, I think we all ended up landing on Ryuk is just there to enjoy himself. This, mo- oh, sorry, go ahead, Ricky D. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to, I've got a few other things that I want to talk about on this episode. Definitely. Before we move on. Please do. Yeah, right now. Okay. Uh, so one thing, Ryuk offered his eyes up again. So uh, I really thought that was a one-time offer. And Light is still, ign- or sorry, yeah, Light. Light is still, still ignoring his offer. Uh, but I like the idea that it was not a one-time offer. And there could be more more uh, possible powers coming down the line. Uh, so it, I feel like we're right at the end of this series. I feel like we're so close to <laughs> Kira getting caught, but we're clearly not. So there's got to be a lot more coming our way. Yeah. And, and I, then another thing I wanted to... Oh, yeah? Well, just to that point, I think one thing that I really enjoy about that is that I the first time I saw this series, I thought I had no idea how many episodes it was. So I was like, I I knew it was one season. So I was like, oh, this could be over in fifteen episodes, twenty episodes, twenty six. Oh my god, there's thirty seven episodes. <laughs> like I was, I kept being like, no way. But it's, I'm in, I'm glad that you recognize that right away because like, if you binge this, the tension can be enough to like run you out of breath. I think. <laughs> Go ahead. I can. I can. Yeah. See that. And then my other thought was, Kira, Light, whoever we want to call him. He's okay with killing people. He likes to do it with the Death Note, but uh, he's willing to kill criminals. He's willing to kill cops. He's willing to kill people that are in his way with the Death Note. But is it totally off the table that he just shanks Naomi and drags her into some bushes? Now, that's a fair question because he considers it out well out loud, right, to himself in air quotes. Mm-hmm. In this episode, he goes, now I could just physically overpower her, which is like, a last resort. I shouldn't do that. And then he goes, wait, no, what am I thinking? I can't, there's no reason to do that. Oh, we got to say hello and good morning to Rona in the chat. Hello, Rona. Thank you for being here live with us at youtube.com slash twist my arm podcast every Friday night at 8 30 PM mountain time. We deeply appreciate it. As does Callie in the chat. She says, morning, mom. They're related. <laughs> Callie has literally forced people to watch this show before. So be like Callie, tell your Thank best you. friends to watch this show live or listen to it on their favorite podcasting app. Now, Ricky, did you have a moment of, oh, we're going to get to see Light charge this woman and try and just... <laughs> no, I never thought it was going to happen. But as somebody who lacks those defenses that you labeled emotions previously, <laughs> I was sitting there going, if he can kill people, whether he does it with a pen or a gun or a knife, he's okay with killing people. So why doesn't I feel I don't think he's going to, but I feel like it should be an option that he just takes her out in old fashioned style. Well, and he considers it right. He does consider it to himself. To Callie's point, what worries me is that his reasoning is I don't want to cause a scene like, dude. <laughs> now, of course, he what he means is I'm in close proximity to the police building. This woman is a former FBI investigator. You know, like I have to, there are a lot of reasons not to cause some kind of scene here at all because people will ask questions, right? Now, I think killing her outright was what made him go like, 
oh, right, I can't do that. And his initial plan was, you know, oh, I wish I could see how she dies. Because the first thing he wrote down was something like, she turns around and walks away and kills herself in a way that nobody will ever find her body, which I'm like, <laughs> maybe be more specific, like getting a little sloppy. But I think it's okay for him to get sloppy in this instance because he feels trapped. He feels a little bit cornered and you can hear him reasoning through, okay, breathe, back up. What's my objective? Where is my objective likely to be located? She's a woman. Does she have a purse? Does she have a wallet? What's going on? Right. He's a so, really calm person in those kind of stressful moments. It's, it's actually really amazing. Yeah. Like how, calm. how he can just sit back and like breathe it out. Basically like, me no way there's no way i'd freak out i would i would you know pull the like let's just drag her behind a bush real quick because i'm i can't <laughs> i can't do this anymore like she might be I, able to whoop his ass like yeah he doesn't know probably. that dude because if she that's was a, if she's a former fbi investigator she might have some hand-to-hand training that's like i can take a 17 year old college or a high school kid you know yeah. who's comparably sized but is still 17 like I could probably doesn't take have him, like much skill. I would assume. I don't. I don't feel like he's much of a fighter. It yeah. Up to this point, we don't know that he does anything outside of study and look at girly magazines. Sometimes uh, our <laughs> friend Angelus in the chat says, "When you can geek out with your own parents, I hope I can be that cool if I ever have kids." <laughs> it is a goal, Angelus. It is a worthy goal, and reaching it is an honorable, if difficult, milestone to be proud of. So. We're very proud of you, Rona and Callie, and thank you for being here again and sharing that with us. Um, Ricky, do you have anything else from this episode? I don't think so. That was what I wanted to get into. I appreciate that deeply because I definitely blew past those things. Josh, what else do you have for episode seven on your list of notes? I don't have really anything, man. Um, I'm kind of just scrubbing through real quick. You were, you were talking about the, the visuals of this episode. There weren't a lot but when they happened, they were good. Um, just a couple different scenes, the, the like red shot with Ryuk laughing towards the end, the snowfall, um, those kind of just still shots. Again, there, there wasn't a lot of them, but, but when they happened, they, they were good. This is a great point from Brittany. I thought it was funny that like kind of panicked when he thought his dad might call his phone. He's like, oh, if he calls me, it's all over. What do I do? And then he goes, wait, I should just turn off my phone. Like <laughs> this coming from the boy genius, she says. Right. Um, yes. And I think I think it fits so well because, again, this is the first moment that Light has panicked. Right. Like this is the first moment where he was I could legitimately lose this encounter with this person. And he has some real moments of fear here i think and to your point josh a couple of um visual uh markers in this that were significantly different than the rest of the episode um when light right when light tells her i'm kira she gets a look in her eyes that's like very expressive and Mm -hmm. his eyes go from being you know just regular animation to that weird purple color with like the shaded slant going on yeah so there was you could almost call it like noir kind of imagery i guess for this but just presented in broad daylight sort of (laughs) yeah kind of weird like but i love the styling of this and i love those those up close intense you know face shots and We'll get some more weird and fun close-ups in the next episode. But I was going to say, I I feel like the fear that you were talking about really helps ground light 
for the next episode because the next episode he faces more challenges than he did in this one and it's and they're a lot heavier than just some girl that has some like suspicion that someone on the bus maybe killed her fiance like this next episode there's like actual stakes involved but he really centers himself like he it's like he learned a lesson from dealing with naomi that he basically learned how to like really breathe and just take a step back and trust the process yeah i'm a genius do the do what i would normally do just take it step by step think how i would normally think but apply it to being evil and psychotic yeah and it's i think that's a good way to put it and he he definitely has now to be fair to be fair (laughs) in the next episode he's on his home turf right so even though there's some serious stakes in the next episode he's like at least in a space that he has more control over i think that's what made me i guess story wise uncomfortable in this episode was like he has no control he's outside like he has to and that's what made him panic right is he's like there's just just open ground like i have to an open field ned like i have to (laughs) figure out some way to just get this information or kill her with my bare hands right so before we get to episode eight i will ask both of you gentlemen one more time is there anything else from this episode that you have to bring up josh we'll start with you okay ricky d is there anything from episode seven overcast that you feel you must bring up before we get to episode eight, which is glare. I'm good to go. All right. Now, normally, we would jump right in to the coverage of our second episode this week, because here at Sudden But Inevitable Season 4, we're doing two episodes of Death Note a week, because there are 37 episodes, and we don't have 37 weeks before we need to celebrate Firefly. So... We're going to do two episodes at a time. Now, we're going to try something a little bit different here, something new and fun, and it's what most shows would refer to as an ad, but really, this is an ad for something that we have made, so please don't stop watching. Just stick through the ad, and we'll be right back. We're all just going to take a quick bathroom break. Josh, would you like to introduce what these folks are about to see? Absolutely. So this month is known as Star Wars Month. I don't care what anybody else says. It is Star Wars Month starting on May the 4th. Um, there goes Ricky. He's gone. But so my good friend Justin and I, well, let's be more specific. My good friend Jesse and I started this show a couple years ago called Quest Me, where we talk about Star Wars uh, Star Wars shows on Disney+. Plus. Um, and that show has now gotten into its fourth season that we will be starting later this month. And we actually have a trailer showing... Uh, some cool information about when it's airing and who's going to be joining us. So I feel like we could probably play that during our little bathroom break. All right. And if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and check out the trailer for season four of Quest Me. Hello there. General Josh here coming at you with a little bit of an update on the TMA Network's one and only Star Wars podcast, Quest Me. Over the last couple years, Quest Me has covered a galaxy far, far away and the stories that have come from it. We started with Mandalorian Season 2, watched a little bit of The Bad Batch, and most recently we discussed the amazing book of Boba Fett. I'm extremely excited to announce that we're going to be going back to Tatooine and breaking down the upcoming series from Disney and Lucasfilm. That's right, we're going to be watching and discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
During the fourth season, Quest Me will be joined by friends from all around the galaxy to talk about this six-part adventure starring everyone's favorite Scottish Jedi. We have Jake from Lost Relics Band, writer and all-around pop culture know-it-all Phil, everyone's favorite green shirt Cameron, the Marvel Cannon Madness boys Chip and Roy, and of course, we're going to be seeing the original host and Trek lover, Captain Boot Scoot himself, Jesse, returning for this discussion. So starting May 24th at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, you can join us live on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook to go on a thrilling quest through the galaxy far, far away and discuss this six-part series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. For more information, make sure to follow us on Twitter at QuestMeTMA, and be sure to like and subscribe to Twist My Arm on YouTube for updates on all your favorite Twist My Arm Network podcasts. Just visit youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast and uh, make sure to smash that like button. We're beyond excited to start Season 4 of Quest Me, and we can't wait to see you there starting May 24th at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. This has been General Josh from Quest Me, and as always, may the Force be with you. Yay! How about that trailer, my friends? Season 4 of Quest Me looks like it is going to be set in space, which some (laughs) people call the final frontier. Josh... (laughs) That was a great trailer, my friend. Thank you for sharing that with us. I can't wait to slap the audio version of that trailer into this week's podcast. Well, and you know, before we go any farther, you uh, just had something premiere yesterday for you as well, didn't you, Mr. (laughs) Uh, Redshirt over there? It's true. The uh, Callie D in the chat says, I was so confused that Doctor Strange premiered on the 5th of May and... I could see where that would be confusing for a couple of reasons, not the least of which being that also premiering on the 5th of May was the new Star Trek series Strange New Worlds, which shares both a release date and the word strange and a couple of other things with the Doctor Strange movie, which is just crazy. Like, what are the odds of that? I know they're actually higher than you think because of money. But to Josh's point, that means that I have begun in earnest our coverage at Open Pike Night, the brand new Strange New World podcast from me and Cameron and John T. Bolds of the Green Shirt Podcast. Open Pike Night is where we aim to gather the voices of as many Trekkies as we can from the community and share them on the show. It is an open pike. Come share the stage with us. Send 90 seconds or under fewer, less of audio to openpike at gmail.com to be included in next week's episode, which by the time you're listening to this is actually going to be episode two of Strange New Worlds. But if you're watching live, go watch the first episode of Strange New Worlds right now and then send your thoughts to us at openpike at gmail.com. Me and Star Trek have a complicated, long, enjoyable, beautiful history. (laughs) And if you want to get a little piece of that, please come listen to Open Pike Night. There are going to be familiar voices there that you will recognize throughout the season, much like Josh's trailer that he just played. Familiar voices abound. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the emperor's in the chat and listening out in podcast land. The Avatar 2 trailer was garbage, by the way. Let's not (laughs) hate on anything. That's not our brand. I'm sorry. I didn't watch it. It's okay. Sorry, that's not my brand. Okay. Ricky D, if you have thoughts on the Avatar 2 trailer... This would be the place to place those. It sounds like it uh, sucks. I don't know anything about yeah, it. I trust you. So uh, we will check it out, Angelus, and then I will DM you in a much more respectful manner than my co-hosts. <laughs> I apologize for them. I can't take them anywhere. Now, sorry, gentlemen, just... it's okay. 
Sometimes we go off the rails, and Josh mentioned Star Trek, so now the rest of this entire episode is going to be a struggle for me. I'm excited. Just that open, I, I listened to those first two episodes of Open Pike Night, and man, it's so much fun. The it's it's like going to an open mic night. And the first episode of Strange New Worlds is so freaking good. It's so and thank you. I I appreciate that. That's what we were shooting for. Because I've done a lot of open mics in my day, and like hearing what you guys are doing that i'm like oh my god this is just like going to some <laughs> dive bar in downtown and playing some stupid Except couple songs in an open mic night there is a zero percent chance that our show will get you into a physical fist fight so ah, that's if good <laughs> if you've ever wanted to share your feelings about a thing on the internet and then not take any of the guff related with it this is the way to do that <laughs> But yes, the first episode of Strange New Worlds was amazing, and we cannot talk about it because otherwise Ricky D will leave and the show will be over. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to talk about episode eight of Death Note, which of course is Overcast. Now, Josh, sorry. Glare. This episode is called Glare. Episode seven was called Overcast. Now, Josh, I know that you said you liked this episode a little better than you liked the last episode. So why don't you jump into episode eight? What do you think is your favorite part? about episode eight and i i will give you the caveat that you cannot say the scene where he eats the potato chip because we're all going to talk about that scene i don't know i that was funny to me like i i laughed every time i saw it i was like oh yeah and now every time i eat chips i'm like i'm gonna take this dorito and i'm gonna eat it every time because that's just how i'm gonna eat chips from now on but i really liked just they're zeroing in on things. Uh, well, L is at least like he has a good idea of what's going on. He's got a suspect, and and then Light comes out and throws him a curveball, and really, really throws the scent off. Like it's it's crazy how these two are are working against each other and how they're both just they're so smart. But they, they're every time one step ahead of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, ah, it's it's really fun to watch these two battle it out. It's it's like watching a really intense game of chess. I 100% agree with you. I may have misunderstood what Angela said earlier, and I feel like we should rectify this. Angela said, "What's strange is that people are buying Doctor Strange movie tickets to see the Avatar two trailer." Right. I right. agree that that is strange. Sorry. I totally thought you were saying, yay, Avatar 2 trailer. But you're right. That is weird. You should be buying those tickets to see Doctor Strange. (laughs) And it's... The Avatar 2 trailer, I I would say, isn't trash. It doesn't show you anything. There's nothing that it shows you. That's all all that it is. And it's not worth buying a ticket to a movie just to go see that trailer. Right. I was going to say the key here is that no trailer, almost, is worth buying a ticket to another movie for. So, But Josh, to your point, we get some moments here of L... Being L, right? He's in full L mode, right? He's handing out ice cream because he knows that maybe not everybody likes pistachio ice cream, but it sucks to be the only one without ice cream. So (laughs) he makes sure that everybody has one. Uh, We get to meet Watari in this episode, what he actually looks like. He's just the most adorable old man. We love adorable old men here at Sudden But Inevitable. We love grandpa characters. We are well on the record for that. Um, We get a little bit more of Matsuda being Matsuda, like, oh, super agent, like super spy, secret agent material. This is so cool. And I will never not love that because I feel like that's how I would be if I were in 
that sort of weird yeah, situation that he is in. Stuff. It is like a James Bond secret agent. I mean, the belts are cool. Like, <laughs> we got to give it to the belts for being cool, yeah. right? Um, I love that we get a moment, probably several moments in this episode of just L not blinking at things, right? Just staring and the circles under his eyes really emphasizing that he doesn't blink at things and he's got this laser-like focus on everything and he's going to pay only attention to this case at all times, no matter what he's doing, no matter what is going on, no matter what the pressure feels like, he's just going to always be looking forward. And it's a little bit disconcerting because most people would at least at some point blink right but he never does and then the circles under his eyes really i feel start to emphasize that now do we know what's wrong with him like he's gotta have Uh, he's very intense (laughs) like is he an insomniac or like a very like just just probably somebody in the chat mentioned last week they work with special needs children and uh there's something like certain people that are on the spectrum like to sit in weird yeah positions so i believe it well and and there was some postulation that maybe he, that was why he was so able to see patterns and things like that, is that he's somewhere on the spectrum and that helps him recognize okay. these things. And, you know, by extension, light as well. Um, Callie has, Matsuda definitely represents all of our inside kids and I love him <laughs> for it. Um, and it, it is one of those, like, there has to be that character because without that character, I think the series is just too intense all the time, right? Like, there needs to be a couple of people going, hey, this part is fun. Or like, you know, oh, fun. Like, what a fun setup. And maybe, you know, maybe something cool will happen. Like, you got to have that character. Um, what do you think about L catching a... I'll ask you, Ricky D, because I feel like you're sometimes more critical than Josh. What do you think about the detail of L catching that Ray Pember did and then did not have a folder on standard definition security camera footage? Uh, I actually wrote down that I thought it was a bunch of shisty evidence. Uh, (laughs) Like the the fact that he has a folder. He also had like a briefcase or a bag or something. So that folder definitely could have gone into his briefcase or bag. And I'm sure there were other folders in his briefcase or bag. Then there's also Ray Pember seems to be looking back onto the train as he's dying it's like maybe he sees his mother in there i he's dying you can't (laughs) maybe he's hallucinating yeah so i i didn't like that i spent a lot of time this week going that seems like bad evidence that's not how that would happen and i kind of i must have been in a bad mood or something because i was just like ripping apart all the tiny little details wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute back up you were in a bad mood yeah yep we're gonna need to jump into this okay um our friend Angelus in the chat says, uh, getting back to the topic at hand, have you guys, will you guys be doing the live action Death Note on Netflix? Maybe. I'm not 100% on that. I agree with you. The guy that plays L really nails it. That guy is Lakeith Stanfield. You I guys love have that probably guy. see him. Yeah. I know that Ricky has seen him in a lot of things. I've listened to Quest, uh, sorry, Best Flicks episodes where Ricky is talking about Lakeith Stanfield. Dude blows the role out of the water. He totally nails it. Rest of the movie. I'm not going to speak on because we may end up watching it. So, um, but what do you think about him? Like, I will give you that that folder could have gone a million other places, including into the briefcase that he was holding. Right. But I think the one piece of evidence that makes it all, not just a series of ridiculous leaps is why did Ray Pember get on this train and ride it for longer than it takes the train to do a circuit? Yeah, I did right? catch that too, and I will 100% agree with that. 
man, you're really even keeled. You're just in like a suit of anger. It's crazy. Uh, Josh, what would you say between the last episode and this episode? You said you liked this one better. Do you think that's because there is a little bit more of a, what's the word? An even playing field between L and whoever, or rather light and whoever he's up against. Whereas in the last episode, it's kind of like he's on the back heel the whole time and being defensive whereas this one he kind of has a chance to be more going on the offense well i think i liked him more because he brought in his dad because his dad is now suspecting him his dad is now questioning things and watching these videos and being like oh my gosh why are you looking at porn you know what why is there a piece of paper in your door why are you being so suspicious like l is now bringing some sort of distrust between light and his dad and it's i feel like that's going to be something that's bigger in in later episodes that it's going to cause some sort of rift between either the police chief and light or the police chief and l Um, i like it and and just the 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 drama of this one was a lot a lot bigger you know a lot more intense um Ryuk had withdrawals, that poor guy. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so at that when he mentioned the cameras, I was like, okay, so how many could how many surveillance cameras could he fit into this kid's room in 2007, right? Like probably 5, 6. And then he's like 40 or 60 or something. He's like 7 or something. It's all these cameras and all these microphones and stuff and I was like, okay, light is caught, right? Like he's caught. He has to be caught. And, and I, yeah, I just, the only oh, sorry, thing... Callie. We were talking about the Netflix one. Um, were you guys talking about the Japanese live action version? That is my fault. I was definitely talking about the Netflix one. I thought you guys were too. They were probably talking about the live action Japanese uh, Death Note adaptation of which there are multiple uh, movies, I believe. Um, the only thing that really confused me in this episode was where the tv came from that he put in the bag of chips so he it, and i watched this multiple I, times it's 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 a thing that happens off screen yeah I, like it's like a there's birthday 67 cameras or... in the house and you don't see him put a tv in the bag well oh oh, oh okay so that is like I, in my in my head i'm going when light went out to get the book right that he like let's just say it that's not how anybody looks at porn (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's not he's like that was that was the suspicious part that's that's the the thing that like your parents tell you (laughs) i just read it for the jokes like he's just reading it for the jokes right now right that's what he's doing because really nobody just flips through and going hmm yeah all right cool not when you're 17 no way (laughs) yeah and you're the only person in the house. Yeah. Also, so, uh, I just I, want to address one of Josh's quick points about the TV. There's 175 cameras in Walmart, but people are shoplifting there every day. Yeah. It, and so even if you... Ha- so now here's the thing. The difference there being you've got, you know, 100 cameras covering 10,000 square feet versus half that number covering a room. So Josh's point isn't unfair no but, it, but some I think, sleight of hand could kind of handle that right I, and i think the answer to it is that when light left the house to get the book 
he was like, I got to go pick up this LCD TV too. We just didn't see that errand. But when he opened the bag of chips, he looks in it and it shines. Like uh, there's a reflection oh. from the screen. Yeah, he put it in, like he opened the chips, put the TV in there and then sealed the bag and then put it in the in the cupboard when he got home is my okay. assumption, right? Like it's not like he found the one bag of chips that had a TV <laughs> It was like like a prize in cereal box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he bought it. Uh, Ryuk says, "Didn't that cost you four hundred bucks?" Yeah. Right? So it's like he, that was one of. I think that we just didn't see that part of the errand when he was out. You know, trying to explain to Ryuk. I think they put bugs in my house. I got to go buy this porn book and read it in front of the camera. Just threw me off because I was like this. How did he? Like my first thing was, did he win a TV in the in the chip bag, like a like a box of cereal, and he just hit the jackpot and was like, oh my god, I'm now gonna use this to kill people, you know? But it seems like um, it, what Callie says, he she says she, she thinks it was part of his prep when he's writing the name, um, prepping the paper and the chips before he gets the cam- before the cameras get set up. So I must have just missed that part or something. He, no, he or, just doesn't. He doesn't mention it. We are just meant to know it. that he would plan far enough ahead. So that makes once sense. he realizes I'm being watched, he goes, "I got to figure out a way to kill people in front of being watched." Well, that makes me wonder because otherwise, I'm going to be immediately found out. How many other right? contingency plans does this kid have? You know, like the, the, there's got to well, be some other things we'll in place. I mean, there's the book that's covering the when it'll explode. Yeah. There's the the lead in the, the door, the paper in the door. There's the TV and a the chip bag. The door handle. Yeah. W- what else does he have? I mean, and th- these are all things that are just popping up at random right now, right? So we're well, right. So to be, and that's fair. We we haven't been told about that stuff up to now, but we have. It has been demonstrated that Light plans all the way ahead and has thought of I'm, all kinds of stuff I'm that not nobody complaining. else has. It's just like. And it's supposed. <sighs> no, no, but it's a fair thing to ask about, and I think the reason. I think the answer is that we're supposed to go. He just thinks of most eventualities okay. because he is the top-ranked student in the country. Okay. Maybe we should just get that as a drop and keep <laughs> playing it every time something implausible happens. Uh, yeah, he has the uh, all the contingency plans, Josh. And that's just Death Note for you. Death Note is a crazy, crazy show with tons of back and forth and tons of board setting and cat and mouse. That's what we love about Death Note. Yeah. Ricky D, what do you feel about Chief Yagami being very... I don't think we have anything to hide, so please put a thousand cameras in my house. Including like, my bathroom. I want all yeah. of you to watch my daughter go poopies. <laughs> yeah. Like wh- why why is he just is it is it is it truly like we have nothing to hide and I'm gonna prove it by showing you everything? I think it's uh I don't want to leave the a shade of doubt. If we're innocent, I want it to be on the record. We are totally clean, everything's fine. I don't want to be two months down the road and we go you know what? Let's uh let's check out Yagami's family again. <laughs> you know, we did only ask them if they had done it. We didn't really interrogate them. So let's go back and check on that. Uh now to that to Josh's point of like when did this thing happen and how does this work, right? Uh where was Ryuk when the cameras were being set up? Because Ryuk is it always seems like with he's inside Isn't he always his with light? Room, yeah. But it seems like he's inside his room waiting for Light to get back because when Light gets back, he's like, hey, do you want to play video games? It's been a while. Like, hey, why aren't you talking to me? And we've already established that he doesn't always go with him to school because 
he can't talk to him there either, and Ryuk can't eat apples at school. So was Ryuk there? Was he asleep? <laughs> Did he see the whole thing and he's just not telling anybody? Because he does seem to actually, in earnest, be looking for cameras when he goes to do his camera search. So I had a question of, like, was he not, like, at Light's house when that was happening? Where where was he? Does anybody well, know? Well, he's a god of death, right? So he's got to go put on his hood and get his giant scepter to go to people oh, so and, maybe like, he was... take them off to the underworld, right? Maybe he was at work. Yeah, is what you're yeah he went out to work, gotcha. basically. Gotcha. <laughs> I think that makes good sense. Ryuk was at work, and then they came home at the same Someone's time. Someone's got to pay the bills. And he would have just floated through the door, so that makes that's why he didn't set off any of that stuff. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I do think that some of Ryuk's expressions in this episode are some of my favorite shots in the whole series. Like, seeing him start to go through Apple withdrawal, and like when Light calls him ugly, like... You almost feel bad for him, right? He's like, he says something like, I bet you're popular with the girls and like goes, actually what matters is how good looking you are. So I'm guessing that you're not very popular. And Ryuk is like, huh? (laughs) It's almost like, really, man? Come on. Like, Ryuk doesn't deserve that. Be nice to him, please. I think you should be... (laughs) The, nice. This is the picture of a, a broken man in rehab right now, for sure. <laughs> like he is having a hard time without his apples. <laughs> and the uh, I think our friend Brittany nailed what we should be calling this the Shinigami nine to five. That that's pretty much where Ryuk was when those cameras were getting set up and light was at school. So I gotta go collect my fees. <laughs> now <laughs> I do I do really like that light actually says out loud when he's you know looking at dirty magazines like there are slides in a presentation or something um he goes out loud he goes man these covers are always so misleading (laughs) it's like he does that because he knows they're listening to him right and i don't know about you guys but i have i have to talk to myself out loud before i usually don't do it when i'm bummed i usually do it when i'm excited personally um but it was it was a thing and and i just i had to write that down because it was one of those like why is light so it's his impression of a normal person right he's being sociopathic by going here's what a normal person would do i'll act like a normal person and then l will have to be like oh well it must not be him like it's it's so sociopathic and narcissistic and it fits his character it's just like it's a great setup now. But he does a great job throwing him off the whole time. Like he and he knows since he knows that there's cameras in there. I mean, Ryuk is basically just saves his ass because he finds all the cameras and he tells it. The one scene where he's like, "There's one in the air conditioner." That made me laugh because he's just shoving his face in everything, and and that gives light the 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 upper hand. You know, like whenever they play that uh, ad on the TV about all the fifteen hundred investigators coming to town he's like no way and he thinks about it in his head he's like this is totally a ploy right now i have to respond like and then he even recalls like i think episode two where he's like you've done this already dude i'm gonna i'm obviously gonna skirt this one skirt now the thing though is that you're like dude you're saying a lot of stuff that pertains exactly to the keter case on a camera in front of somebody who thinks you're Kira. But everything that he says is actually public knowledge. Right, right. right. Because the FBI declared like, oh, here's what happened. And they told the police. Then the police told everybody else. It's just like, man, 
everything he says is technically public knowledge. Now, this is the first instance where we get to meet Hideki Ryuga. Remember the name, Hideki Ryuga, Josh. I know that you will not. I know. <laughs> but the the guy on TV with the pretty long hair uh-huh. that Light's little sister is just in love with. Oh, okay, okay. Right before this ad pops up, she goes, oh, Hideki Ryuga, so I love him. Why doesn't everybody look like him, right? Why is there nobody in my class like him or something along those yeah. lines? Just remember that name. Okay. Because this will not be the last instance of that name. Okay. All right. He is he's definitely the like it's almost like he, to me he kind of looks like you pull up that capture. I'm doing it right now. Right there. <laughs> wow, he is dreamy. He looks like if L was a li- or sorry, if Light was a little dreamier, right? <laughs> like <laughs> He's almost just like an even prettier version of With Light, like which the, is funny because this the is... The hair in front, it's like that Final Fantasy character. Yeah, this is Light saying this. your your looks matter more. Um, so, Ricky, really quickly, what did you think about, and, and I don't mean to throw you into this, but what did you think about um, Light taking the time to respond to Elle's second TV bluff, like directly to the camera? He's like, oh, this is dumb. Yeah, that was really <laughs> bizarre. Uh, Josh started out saying that, like... Light is getting further away from L. He's getting one up on L this episode. I felt a little bit the opposite because Light is, he's fiddling with the paper in the door. He's shoving his uh, pencil lead in the hinge. He made this weird announcement when he knows L is watching him and he's like, oh, that's a stupid idea. Da, da, da. We've already been through this. And I'm just like, a little lower profile, buddy. And I'm sure that's part of his narcissism, yeah. but just stay under the radar yes and that's where i was at because i was like yes this is all public knowledge but still to be this pointed and have such a strong opinion about it like for seemingly no reason especially right after your dad the chief just went i haven't shared any classified information with my family like i feel like the next shot is l going got him that's kira right there (laughs) right like he makes a face of like that's that's definitely Kira. I, I totally just closed this case. Like, I feel like L has that moment. And I'm really, really glad that you brought that up, Ricky, because I got to say, man, I agree with you 100%. And I think it is funny that, or not funny, I like that we got the idea of this bluff an episode or two mm-hmm. back. And then we saw this bluff executed now. Because when it came back up, I was like, wait, when did we hear about? Oh, right, right. That was like, a couple episodes back and it kind of helps to illustrate how freaking difficult it would be to be on this investigation as we have already mentioned right you can't take notes you can't record anything it's like the most difficult way to get through any of that so um uh, one thing that i was saying though ricky was oh josh if you could pull that back to hideki ryuga i just want to show him to to ricky d um i was just gonna say ricky if you don't mind because i have a strong gut feeling that josh will not remember a name if i ask him to not because of anything bad it's just that you know josh has historically not been great with names on our show um but the guy that uh light's little sister is watching on tv right before this ad comes on hideki ryuga Mm -hmm. remember that name okay and i don't think you even need the whole thing just remember ryuga um so we do have a I did have a question about the little TV, right, that Light had spelled. Oh, yes, this guy right here, Ricky, in case you need a, a face to associate <laughs> <All right>. with. <laughs> um, almost, Actually, kind of almost reminds me of a Cowboy Bebop character in that shot. Um, 
But I did have a question just from the end of this episode when he goes, hey, I don't know if you're spoiled or if you're just super dedicated, but like, did that TV not cost you $400 and it is just getting thrown into the trash now? Um, I couldn't figure out how to word this, but what's the most money that you've ever spent just to keep up appearances? Or maybe what's the most money you've ever spent out of spite <laughs> i don't know how to hey, you're talking to the wrong correctly. guy i am very very <laughs> tight with the purse strings um especially when it comes to spite yeah i i don't think i've got anything for that that's to, that's totally fair and i that's why i think i struggled asking it because i was like there is a way to ask this where they'll definitely both have an answer i think i don't think that i purchased okay. my Oh, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Back in high school, you were probably a part of this. Uh, it's not quite the direction you're going, but I would buy things because I thought they were cool. I was also one of the guys who had a job in high school. So uh, if you remember us going to the sword store, uh, I've got like a couple weird daggers and swords and that kind of <laughs> stuff. It was just kind of like, I think this is cool. Uh, also, uh, some weird dragon statues. I had a few of those when I was younger, oh, nice. and those are just, I feel like buying swords and dragon statues is something you do to spite your parents. So <laughs> that's that's or how maybe, I'm going to leave that. Or maybe your older self. Oh, sure. Like, you're like, man, someday I'm going to want to look back on me and just hate every decision <laughs> I ever made. So now, now let's be real, though. I, I know and I remember that you and a group of our friends bought me a set of swords from the sword yep. store and i still have at least two-thirds of that set <laughs> it is not displayed anywhere but i have it it is a thing that i kept because i was like dude some some people put together some serious air quotes high school money and bought this mm -hmm. for me right i kept it i still have it and to your point the uh let's see what would those be the pommel guard uh, -huh. uh are made of dragon shaped wings oh that's awesome <laughs> so yeah, it combines both of the dumb 2004 yeah. things that you and I were like, let's go do a thing. I, I, That was actually a great answer. I was going to say, mine's not out of spite. Mine was, I put a hat on my head and the man told me it was $250 and then I bought it out of spite for him. Yeah, you did like, that at the Ren Fair, right? Oh, you, yeah, and I, it's like, you think I can't afford this hat, don't you? I'm buying the Just hell out of this Prove him hat. wrong, so basically. I, I yeah, remember I that it day. It was bad. Josh, do you have an answer for what is the most amount of money you've ever spent out of spite mm. or just to keep up appearances? I mean, I, I did a lot of things to spite my parents when I was a kid. I bought a lot of things. To, I, I mean... I came home with a drum set once and was like, yeah, I'm going to beat this and you're going to enjoy it. But <laughs> I mean, that had to be expensive. It wasn't. Uh, I, I went to a cheap, cheap pawn shop. It was like maybe 200 bucks. Maybe wasn't, wasn't the most. Oh, do you have an air horn sound effect on you, Josh? Uh, one minute, it's okay. Please. We can put one in in post <laughs> if you don't. Um, but our friend Angelus, put in the chat jesse said to your point while talking about swords <laughs> so all right you guys we we have to move past this because otherwise it's going to devolve into another episode of freaks and geeks where we're just like remember that other thing we did in high school i miss telling which, embarrassing stories which while it is fun is not necessarily what our show is about ladies and gentlemen themperers in the live chat thank you josh <laughs> he wanted it i got it if you have 
an answer for what is the most amount of money you've ever spent out of spite or just to keep up appearances, please put the amount and what it was that you purchased into the live chat. I am hoping for something good, but I have a feeling that you're all far more well-adjusted than the three of us on the screen. Now, I will make a confession to you, Josh and Ricky. I have run out of notes for these two episodes of Death Note because as I was taking my notes for the second episode... Star Trek started bleeding back into my brain, so I went, okay, I'm going to make my segment selections, and then I'm going to leave the rest of this up to Josh and Ricky. Ricky, I know that you missed a couple of moments on the screen. I feel like we basically caught you all the way up, but is there anything from episode eight that you know we haven't talked about that you would love to talk about? Well, if I caught, I wasn't sure if it was on the news or if Elle said it, but Kira killed a bank investor who was embezzling money and a purse snatcher, which it's he's doing a lot of actions that are against what he set out to do he's trying to kill murderers and rapists and pedophiles not purse snatchers not investment bankers that are trying to make a little extra money now l notices that immediately right because he's like really that's not the same level of people he's been killing up to now and I think you're correct to say it feels like he's stumbling a lot <laughs> lately. Like he was really smart for a few episodes and now it's like he's getting a little bit sloppy and I'm going to refrain from going further than that. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about from this episode, Ricky? I don't think so. Josh, my friend, are there any notes that you feel like we just have to cover because I blew past them? My last thing was just the fake IDs that everybody got. He handed out those fake IDs to everyone, and they're like, wait, why do why do we need these? But they have to be so careful with them now. Like, they have to really think about who they're handing these IDs to. And then take mental notes about who they're handing these IDs to. Like, it's everything that Elle is doing is so difficult. I feel like one of these, one or two of these detectives is going to slip hard. And then that's going to create another issue for light because L is going to realize that, you know, one of his detectives slipped and ran into Kira. Well, and there's been so many close calls, right? Like Aizawa walked right past and, you know, there was light at the, at the front police desk. Like there's been, yes. And, and it is, I I feel like it does serve to just keep increasing that tension personally. It's like, how many layers of tension can there be before something starts to break here? Like there has to be a moment. Now, I think that, so, sorry, do you have any other notes from episode eight that you feel like we have to talk about, Josh? Okay, I don't, Ricky D, I see that you've got at least one more. One really quick one. Uh, when Light, no, sorry, when L was talking about Naomi, he mentioned the BB murder case multiple times. And if you don't have subtitles on, I heard baby murder case. Baby murder case over and over again because I watched the episode several times before catching up with it. And I thought that was just really weird. I don't really have a lot to say about it. Just uh, I wanted to work baby murder in, I guess. I'm just I'm glad that once I turned on the subtitles, it was like, oh, okay. Of course, that's not what it is. Yeah. But it it did seem like they said it 15 times. (laughs) Well, and I, I, I don't know. It's like, is this just another illustration that Ray Pember wasn't great? Because like... L remembers one investigator from years ago that he only ever talked to through a computer, but Ray Pember can't place the voice of a guy who was on the world's craziest bus jacking with him? Like, come on. Come on, dude. Just just be better. 
be better at your job. Josh, what do you got? Am I better now? Do I sound better now? Oh, you're so good. Okay, cool. I love it. It's better. Um, uh, this is <laughs> problems that sub subbers don't have to deal with. I it keeps I keep forgetting that Callie D hadn't actually seen the English dub until last week when she was here with us. Oh yeah. And so she knows this whole episode, like all the texts for this series. She knows she's got all the details down. Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. I I got nothing. I just wanted to make sure my my sound was better. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, you're totally good. All right, guys. Well, then, in that case, why don't we go ahead and move into our weekly segments here at Sudden But Inevitable, the first of which, of course, is Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episodes of Death Note, those moments that now live rent-free in our heads. I want to go first but i'm not going to do that i'm going to have ricky d go first josh please give me ricky d's first shot and then ricky d walk us through it is that the three minute and nine second mark so this is a picture of ryuk and he's just he's hanging out over light's shoulder he just saw that light uh put the wrong information into the note uh into the death note so this was we talked about how he was laughing all the entire episode we talked about how some of his laughter and body language gave off that Kira had the wrong information. So I really like this scene because it was conveying a lot of information. Pretty expressive for a guy that has one facial expression, right? I love his earring. Like, it's kind of impressive. I, I hate like his it. stupid earring. I love it. <laughs> it just, it really just well, adds you know. to the whole maniacal god of death thing. The whole ultra goth <laughs> persona yeah. going on. Love it. Uh, Josh, bring up your first pick for a shot of the show. Mine comes at 18 minutes and 54 seconds. It's that red scene <laughs> that I was talking about earlier, but also where he's just laughing so hard. Like, he laughs so much during this this whole episode, and I I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I don't know. This was kind of like the, I guess, the, the epitome of it, like where he's just, this is like, he's really losing it here, you know? So and this is right after she's like, you know what? I guess I'll trust you completely. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is so yes. exquisite. Yes. Like I can't believe this. It's like he's watching he a movie. Turned this whole situation around. Yeah. He's watching a, a film on humans. It's a documentary on the real life of humans, and he's loving every second of it. You've got some red on you, Mary, <laughs> and it's just. You know me. I like a good silhouette. This is almost a full silhouette. Mm. Not quite a full silhouette, but it's getting close. Maybe we'll get there before this series is there's over. Some, like, Excellent pick, my there's friend. There's some color here, too, where light is white, and the other two characters are black, and everything else around them is red. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's yep. some significance uh, there, Again, for with sure. the death metaphor. Yeah. All right, my friend. Bring up my first pick for Shot of the Show, if you don't mind. Yeah, 20 minutes and 20 seconds. So, this is... The moment where Naomi realizes, oh shit, (laughs) I uh, probably should not have done that. And there is no going back because she has just been informed that the person she's given her name to is in fact Kira. And she doesn't necessarily know like how he kills or what's about to happen to her, but she knows that she's a goner. And I feel like you can really see that on her face, despite this being animation. They gave you an extra, uh, what is that, pupil shine there to give it a little bit more depth. Makes her look 
that much more realistic and she's sort of painted in this near monochromatic black and dark blue palette just chilled to the bone in this moment i love it i feel awful for this woman <laughs> all right josh bring up ricky d's second selection for shot of the show is at the 16 minute and 20 second mark uh this is where l and yama y- yagamoto I think I got that right. Uh, they are <laughs> watching surveillance, and this is uh, right where the moment where L is really catching on. I think this is right after he get, L gave his sorry. This is right after Light gave his speech about uh, you know whatever L is doing to catch these people is silly. He's not going to do it this way, uh, and he kind of had that weird hubristic moment of just going, "Oh, how wrong he is!" And L is just sitting here going, "Oh, well, that told me quite a bit." And he doesn't, like, similarly to how we don't see Light panic a lot, we don't see, and, and, like, give himself away, we don't see L do anything here that makes the chief go, oh, my son is totally Kira. But we know that in this moment, L is like, oh, he's definitely yeah. Kira. Like, this has to be the kid. Like, he's shining me on. This is exactly the attitude I would have were I in his situation. So this is definitely him. But he's smart enough not to key the chief in because he has no idea how the chief would react, right? So I do have one quick question here for you guys. When the chief says, L, what are the chances that somebody in one of our houses is Kira? And he goes, it's 10%, uh, maybe 5%. Do you guys think he's inflating those chances or deflating those chances when he says that to the chief? I would say probably deflating. I think the chances are pretty high that maybe they aren't going to find the killer inside these houses, but they will find important evidence that will push them in the right direction. And, you know, maybe it's only five to 10% chance that they will see the actual murderer. But if we're talking about getting more evidence to move forward, it's probably a much higher chance of that. I can dig that. I like that a lot. And I'm glad that I waited till now to ask that because it was in my notes, but I skipped right past it. So good (laughs) pick for Shot of the Show, Ricky D, my friend. All right, Josh, go ahead and give me your second pick for Shot of the Show. So mine is at the five minute and 20 second mark. Um, It Again, I just, the way this guy is, is awesome. I, I just, I love him. I love his eccentric ways. Even down to the way he holds a phone, and 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 this scene in, in particular when he's like talking, you know the when he answers the phone, you know such and such detective, blah 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 blah. He he changes his whole demeanor, like he's he's brilliant, but he's crazy at the same time, and I love that about him. And that's actually one of my picks for the next segment because I just, I love the like, okay, turn on the new personality, do the different thing because it's like, oh, let's see, why is that so familiar? Oh, we just watched Light do that five times. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it it is just another layer of showing us, yes, these are the same dude on opposite sides. Go ahead and give us my second pick, Josh, if you don't mind. So yours is at three minutes and seven seconds right away into this episode so this is what i was talking about earlier where he just doesn't blink right and we get these dark circles under his eyes and he's got this just tunnel vision and like there's almost a resignation on his face and just determination and 
yeah, just single-mindedness. This is actually live footage of me editing Sudden But Inevitable <laughs> over the weekend to get it out in time for a Monday release at 6 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, the Emperor's in the chat and listening out there in podcast land. But really, it just illustrates the intensity of L. And I love this very close-up shot that we get of him. Look how wide open his pupils are. He's taking in as much information as he possibly can at any given moment and memorizing it, which mm. is just, I, I can't. I can't do that. Really quickly, our friend Callie says, I vote neither. I feel L only deals in facts. If he says it's 5%, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to push back and say he also said that they brought in 1,500 investigators to Japan, <laughs> and they did not do that. So he's not above bluffing if he yeah, needs to. I'm noticing something kind of interesting about L, uh, and I feel very similar about L as I did about Ed over in Cowboy Bebop. It, the, both these characters that are very weird, and they're full of tropes. And if I were describing what i don't like about anime i think ed and l really describe very well what i don't like about anime however these characters are so lovable that i still do really enjoy these characters i am really happy to hear that and i think that that's probably not a like not to be like you and everybody else but like that's probably not mm -hmm. unique for specifically from like the a uh, perspective of a person who is resistant to anime usually right like Hey, Ricky D is generally resistant to anime, but he can find something to latch on to. There's people in here for him to fall in love with. All right, Josh, bring up the bumper for the second weekly segment. Sorry about my delay last time. I couldn't remember which one of these we changed the name on, <laughs> but it's this one. And this one, of course, is called Death Quote. Death Quote, of course, is the auditory counterpart to Shot of the Show, where we share our favorite moments of dialogue from both of this week's episodes of Death Note. So... Let's maintain that same pattern, Josh. Give me Ricky D's first quote for Death Quote, and then Ricky D walk us back through it. She's a woman after all. I suppose if I had to, I could use force. That was just one of the creepier moments from this episode. Uh, we already talked about it earlier. I was asking, why can't Kira just go ahead and shank her and drag her into some bushes? Uh, it was also, it was kind of a weird, I felt like most of this episode, we were walking back and kind of leering at the Naomi character. Uh, I did feel like we were all just spending a lot of time looking at her backside, and I felt like it was kind of a weird, creepy sexual thing, uh, and we were supposed to feel that through Kira, uh, but it just uh, it made her less than human in Kira's eyes. Right, and I was going to say, because that's how Light mm -hmm. sees her, and it's showing us this is how he sees her, right? She's just sort of an object in his way at this point. Um, our friend Callie says, dutifully, I'm going to push right back. That was a tactic to work against Kira, not answering an honest question of a teammate. We have seen him be less than truthful with everyone around him, I think, up to this point, with a possible exception to Watari. But that is an excellent point, Callie D, and I will stop pushing back right here. Josh, if you don't mind, bring up your first selection for Death Quote this week. <laughs> hey, Light, you know, that deal I mentioned is still open. It's just like putting on contact lenses. Completely painless. Would I be willing to give up half my life just so I could learn this woman's real name? No, I wouldn't. In fact, it's not even worth considering. Now quit wasting my time. Just shut your mouth, Shinigami. I really liked this scene just because Light is really staying staying like strong in his I will not take that deal I'm not going to take that deal no matter what you say 
no matter what you think I need to do, I can figure this out on my own without taking that deal. And he does. Like, and obviously at the end of the episode, you find out like he, he does figure out a way to get through the problem, which in a really messed up way, <laughs> he, he figures it out. But, but I, I still like how, how headstrong he is, even in the face of like getting caught and getting in like severe trouble. Well, and to Ricky D's point that he just made, this is another instance of light. If you actually, if you look in the subs there, Josh, and I'm glad that we're including the subs and the dubs this season, good call. In the sub, he says, I won't have my life halved for the likes of this woman. (laughs) It's like even a little bit more dismissive in the sub, right? Like, this woman is trash. I'm not going to let myself, you know, it's, it's like. Wow, he really thinks that. And I can shut up, Shinigami, not shut your mouth, Shinigami. So it's right. like the the L character, the light character, may be a little snarkier even in the original. So I may have to give the dub or the sub rather a a try because I've never done it before with this series. I may have to give that a go. Excellent, excellent pick, Josh. If you don't mind, cue up my first pick this week. Uh, so, if you don't mind my asking, why do you keep checking your watch? Oh, well. I guess it's because... Because I'm Kira. (gasps) So yes, to our friend Brittany's point in the chat, really messed up what happens with her. I feel like even Ryuk was like, that's effed. Yes, (laughs) I agree. And that that is the moment. Um, that That is, you can tell when that clock has a just laborious tick from one second to the next that that is the last tick and a little bit of foreshadowing the first time that happened there was no crazy grinding and slow motion sound on his watch it just ticked and they kept on walking now we did get that freeze frame with them both in spotlight for a moment which i loved but i feel like this moment you really get that like almost that hair standing on end effect from naomi when she realizes oh that's it uh, Callie says, yes, come to the sub side. We have cookies. I am. It's not that I've never been on a sub, if that's the correct phrasing. It's just <laughs> that with this show, I've never seen the sub. A lot of shows I have watched sub only, uh, but I, I do love cookies. So uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, Josh, give us Ricky D's second selection for Death Quote this week. It has to be L. He had no qualms about putting a death row inmate in his place when he declared war on me. It's pretty clear he doesn't know any limits. Yeah, I chose this one. It just seemed like Light is seeing everything totally backwards. Uh, he's blaming L for going over the line, but he has killed multiple police officers. He killed this former FBI uh, agent. He's killing purse snatchers and bank tellers and it's he's the one that thinks he's in control or he's in control of himself and l is out of control that's not the way we're seeing this at all well it goes back to his pure narcissism as we've discussed right he's like why is he putting these people in my way and forcing me to kill them man like i'm just trying to make a better world stop doing this to these people l and it's like that is the psychosis that l is talking about when he's like look, you have a very childish sense of right and wrong. What you're doing is evil. I'm going to stop you. Like, stop being a little kid, right? Like, a powerful little kid, sure, but a little kid nonetheless. Excellent, excellent choice. Josh, 
give me your second pick for this week's second segment. It seems like you're pretty skilled with your hands. I bet you're pretty popular with the girls, aren't you? Skill has nothing to do with it. It's your looks that count. I'm guessing you're not that popular, are you? Huh? I love seeing Ricky shake his head in the in the screen below us because <laughs> it just makes me laugh. But I mean this this was great because I mean What were they implying, Josh? What I was so get great too about crazy it? into this? But <laughs> why you got why is he gotta be mean to Ryuk? Like Well, I mean I, Ryuk I feel like Ryuk was trying to make a joke on him too. And he was like, Oh, you know what? I'll show you. I'm handsome and good with my hands. The ladies love me double. Well, I mean, that's like a confidence building joke though, right? Where he's like, Oh, I bet chicks really like you. Like that's not a mean joke to make at somebody. So for him to be like, Yeah, and I bet nobody likes you. It's like wow, that's uh, it's that's it's harsh. kind of one of those it's one of those things that at first it's it's really funny, but then you realize that he is just insulting Ryuk, and you're like, oh man, eventually Ryuk's gonna get kind of tired of this crap, like get tired of the arrogance of this kid, and maybe start guiding him the wrong way, you know? Maybe, and and he has up to this point, he's shown like. I am just here to be entertained. So if he's no longer having fun, we don't know how he will act. Right. It's a good, it's a fair point. All right. Uh, bring up the next pick. I don't, is it me? It's is yours. It yes. Bring up my next pick. Got it. Oh. Yes, this is Suzuki, head of Kyoto's Investigation Public Information Division. Ray Pember's fiance. I cannot find my fiance. Oh, your fiance. The poor baby. Where do you <laughs> think my fiance could be? Where is your fiancé? Did you notice that he says fiancé exactly how Elaine says fiancé in that episode of Seinfeld? Like, <laughs> uh, That's not the only reason that I chose that line. It's a big part of it. Um, <laughs> but the biggest part of that reason is that he goes, he's in full L mode, right? He's like, you turn on your cell phone. Make sure you pick it up. Turn it on right now. Yes, this is Like he goes, full on into a new personality much as we just mentioned as light does where he's like oh yeah i could totally help you with this investigation like it's how to code switch how to slip in and out of different personalities and make the people around you believe you or want to work with you or you know talk to you whatever it is now in this case he's just this is just another layer of him concealing his own identity right he can be reached at anybody's cell phone number but none of them are tied to him they're all tied to these fake detective names that he just handed out so brilliant move and i i really like that but yeah I, I couldn't help myself the seinfeld thing was was there so all right guys that means that it is time for our third and final segment this week which of course is the rating segment now of course the ratings are what they sound like. We're just going to give this pair of episodes a rating out of 10. And as I mentioned last week, we're doing one number that spans both episodes. If you guys want to explain the math, that's okay. Just don't give me both numbers because I can't write that fast. So let's start with Ricky D. Ricky D, what is your overall consensus rating for these two episodes combined this week? My friend, don't forget you are currently muted. Now that I've unmuted myself, I am going to give them a 7 out of 10 combined score. Uh, it was a lot of fun this week. I was nitpicking and I was kind of getting, I don't want to say annoyed, but I was i was getting a little gripey at the episode when I was watching it. But uh, I'm, as I say every week, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. 
I said earlier today that this feels like we're running into the end of the season, but we've got like 20, 19 more episodes, something like that. 29. We got a lot, a lot of ways to go. So I'm very curious to see where this takes us. I like that big time. I'm going to spotlight just a couple of really quick comments in our live chat. Brittany says, I watch everything with a sub. Can't watch any other way. Callie D says, same Brittany. Sub or sub not. There is no dub. That one I assume is for you, Josh. Um, all right. So seven. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit down. What is your rating for these two episodes this week, Josh? Again, one number, please, out of ten. <laughs> I'm I'm going with seven as well. Um it's I would go on a I would go lower on the first episode and higher on the second one and in between it would be a seven. I I accept that I disagree with it I'm gonna give them both an eight um, I think that the tension of this episode and just like the release of finally getting some more Ryuk after not having had a bunch of Ryuk in the last couple of episodes was a nice thing I really liked that um, and I like that we sort of go back and forth like a very light heavy episode and then kind of an L heavy episode. I mean, obviously they're both in both episodes, but it feels like the first episode we watched focuses on light and then the second episode definitely focuses on L feels that way a little bit to me. And I like that because it has a back and forth balance, right? Like it, here's a small victory for light in this other episode, even though yes, that is a person dying and I don't mean to be reductive about that. And then we go, here's a small victory for L where he figures out this ridiculous detail from standard definition, right? So there's, there's something about these episodes that I think I enjoy a little bit more than you guys did. So again, I'm going to give them both an eight and that my friends, gives us a 7.3 out of 10 for this pair of episodes. I don't know that we've dipped below a 7 yet on this series, which is good. I thought that we might by doing two at a time and by having average ratings, but I'm glad that we haven't because, I'll be honest, I do like to show things to you guys that I think you'll be resistant to, but I don't like to show things that I think you won't like, if that makes sense. And I don't think up to this point we really... I haven't done that on purpose, at least yet. So I know Ricky didn't enjoy Highlander, but that's just because Ricky has something wrong with him. So I think that's the end of our segments. So if there's anything else we'd have to get through, it would just be like plugs and plans, right? Ricky D, do you have any plugs or plans that you'd like to talk about at the end of this episode before we get out of here? I am good to go this week. All right. And of course, you can still find Ricky every week here at Sudden But Inevitable Friday night at youtube.com slash twist my arm podcast at 830 p.m. Mountain Time. Wouldn't Josh, what it. do you have for plugs and plans for the folks? Well, I, you know, we played them halfway through the episode. Quest Me is my biggest plan right now. Um, I do have a, a huge thing that I'm really excited for for after season four of Quest Me. But that's not even gonna. We're not even gonna talk about that for another month or two. So, um, right now, just follow me on uh, Twitter at TwistMyArmCast or at QuestMeTMA. Justin and I both run the QuestMe Twitter, so sometimes he'll respond, sometimes I'll respond. Um, but you can find us there, and you can find all of our different podcasts, including Best Flicks with Ricky D, Sudden but Inevitable, Marvel Cannon Madness, Twist My Arm, QuestMe, um, and Intrepid DM, all at TwistMyArm.net. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Sudden Butt. You can follow Open Pike Night, the new Strange New Worlds podcast with me, Cameron, and John T. Bolds of Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. At Open Pike, you can send your audio contributions for that show, 90 seconds or fewer. I think I'm going to go with fewer to openpike at gmail.com. Again, if you are here in the live chat, please, right now, as soon as this show is over, 
go watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds first episode and then send me your audio. I want to put you on the first proper episode of Open Pike Night discussing the first proper episode of Strange New Worlds with some of the biggest Star Trek fans I know, me, and some not-so-big Star Trek fans, Cameron and John. It's not that they're not big fans. It's just that, let's be honest, I'm the biggest Star Trek fan on the show. And I think, I think they would agree with me. I, I would like you to ask them, actually. I think they would you. agree. So, I think that's all that we have to do, guys. Definitely go listen to every show that we have mentioned on your favorite podcasting app, because the best way that you can help us grow our shows is to download them and tell your friends that you know are into podcasts to download those. And then, you know what? After that, if you're feeling generous, go ahead, leave us all a five-star review and a rating. That would be great. But of course, your ears are plenty enough for us, just like my good friend, Mr. Spock. I couldn't help myself. Let's go ahead (laughs) and get out of here for the evening, gentlemen, if you don't mind. Let's go Ricky, then Josh, then myself for Sudden But Inevitable. Oh, no, let's do this. Let's say thank you to Callie D. Let's say thank you to Rona D. Let's say thank you to Angelus. Let's say thank you to Tyler. Let's say thank you to Brittany. I believe that's everybody from the evening, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you so much for being here live with us. We would not be making the same show without you. And that's actually literally true for about half of you because you've been guests on the show. So again, for the sign-off order, let's go Ricky D, Josh, and myself for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been your captain, Jesse. This is Ricky D from Best Flicks of Ricky D. This is Josh. May the force be with you. I think my withdrawal symptoms are starting. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.